And we are off another episode of In Defense of the Big 12 on the Landry Football Podcast Network. Brad Kellner, he's in Austin, Texas. Tyler McComas, I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And that's right. Our podcast is called In Defense of the Big 12. Sometimes you can't defend it. Sometimes you can't defend it. Sometimes it's just a really bad league and the unexpected happens this early in the season. BK, oh my God, I can't believe that we're sitting here on October 5th about to talk about a bunch of losses in the conference to the two top dogs in the league. It really is. It really is pretty remarkable, right? I mean, we haven't even gotten to the Cotton Bowl yet, and Oklahoma is already out of the college football playoff (laughs) picture. Now, I guess you don't close the book on them in terms of winning the Big 12 this year, right? Because there's a ton of football left to be played, and it feels like every single team in this league is beatable. But the fact that, yeah, we haven't even gotten to Dallas yet, and Oklahoma is out of CFP contention is pretty damn remarkable. I mean, who would have thought? 2020 has been a crazy year, Tyler, but I think the craziest thing of the entire year is the fact that we're two weeks into conference play and Oklahoma has the same Big 12 record as Kansas. I don't think anybody saw this coming before the season. I really don't think anybody saw this coming after the non-conference week of Big 12 football, right? When Oklahoma looked really good, albeit against FCS Missouri State, but, you know, their first two opponents in this league, Kansas State losing at home to Arkansas State and then Iowa State losing to Louisiana. I don't think anybody in the world ever envisioned Oklahoma losing to both of those teams. But here we are. And then obviously Texas, you know, you change the characters, Tyler, but the story remains the same. Gary Patterson just owns Texas. They got it done. I actually picked on my radio show in Austin. I picked TCU to win this football game this weekend. I had no idea why the Longhorns were a double-digit favorite. I understand why Texas was favored. I have no idea why Texas was favored to win that game by double digits. And again, Gary Patterson doing what he does to Texas. The Horn Frogs get the win. TCU is now 7-2 and two against Texas since joining the Big 12. And yeah, the teams that we thought were the two top dogs in this league are now a combined 1-3 and three in Big 12 play through two weeks. 22nd ranked Texas, unranked Oklahoma this week at the Cotton Bowl. We got plenty of time to talk about this game coming up, even though God is basically a Big 12 championship elimination game at this point. But let's talk about what went wrong on on Saturday. And and you said it, the character changes, the characters change, but the story still stays the same. Um, I like Max Duggan at TCU. I really do. I think that they are a legit Big 12 title contender, but the, the pick that Sam Ellinger threw right before half, of course, the fumble right around the goal line. It's still a Texas team that, for whatever reason, can't get out of its own way with critical mistakes at key points in the football game. I, I, just, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. When that defense needed to come up with the big stop, Max Duggan runs in for a touchdown. It was just Tom Herman, if you're going to be the head coach at Texas, you need to start beating teams as double-digit favorites at home. And, hey, I agree with you. Texas obviously shouldn't have been a double-digit favorite. I was confused by that as well. But Tom Herman's got to win games like this. He's got to beat TCU if he wants to be the coach there, man. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to coach at a program like the University of Texas, you have to win games when you're the favorite. Everybody knows Tom Herman's M.O. going back to his days at Houston is, oh, when his team's an underdog, they're ready to go. And they'll shock the world when they're an underdog. But you're not going to be the underdog that often at the University of Texas. And that's been the mantra for Tom Herman, right? As good as he's been as, as an underdog head coach, he's been equally as bad as a favorite 
as a head coach. And yeah, I mean, that goes back to his days at Houston. That obviously goes back over his first three years here at the University of Texas as well. So how about this nugget right here? Tom Herman is now 4-9-1 and one against the spread in Big 12 games when he's favored by six or more points. Jeez. So you want to talk about playing down to your competition? There it is right there. By the way, a couple of outright losses in that stretch as well. But Tom Herman, 4-9-1 and one against the spread in conference games when favored by six points or more. That was the case on Saturday. And, yeah, not only did the Longhorns fail to cover the spread, they obviously lost the game outright. Man, it, it is a recurring problem for Tom Herman at Texas, and it goes back. It goes back to year one, but you know I'll, I'll let him off the hook a little bit in year one, considering how bad this team was in the Charlie Strong era and how much turnover he needed to make with this roster. But it goes back to the Oklahoma game in 2018 when Texas had a three touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, and Oklahoma with Kyler Murray comes all the way back to tie it at 45, and then Sam Ellinger bails him out, and Cameron Dicker bails him out with that final drive. Tom Herman, when he has teams down, he refuses to step on their throat. Like, he gets so passive. He gets so conservative. He puckers up. And we saw that on Saturday again. Texas finally has a lead. They're up 29-26. They've got the ball in the fourth quarter with, like, seven minutes to go. And they go three and out. He runs it twice and then a short pass on third down. They turn it over. They punt it back to TCU. The Horn Frogs get great field position. And then Duggan scampers in for the game-winning touchdown. Like, ultimately, a lot of the blame falls on the players, and it's inexcusable for Keontae Ingram to fumble there. But that is like a recurring problem for Texas that Tom Herman gets so conservative at the end of games when his team has a chance to really put the other team away. And it's cost Texas a lot before it cost them again on Saturday. And and what really hurts, too, is the fact that it's from an in-state school like TCU. A, a school that, and, and Gary Patterson's done a nice job. TCU's a nice program, all right? We already know that. But Texas shouldn't have this type of, not losing streak, but the past seven years shouldn't look like what it is when Texas is playing TCU. It just shouldn't. Um, Tom Herman lost to Baylor last year. Baylor's a good team. But Baylor's had a decent little stretch against Texas over the past 10 years. That, that can't be the case, that Texas can't lose to programs like Baylor and TCU in state. And give Mac Brown credit. That's what he was able to do. Mac never lost to Baylor. He never really lost to Tech. He seemingly always beat AM. So Mac, whereas his deficiencies were in the Oklahoma game for sure, but he never lost to the inferior in-state schools like Tom Herman and Charlie Strong did. And boy, Tom really needs to win this week. I, I mean, I I still don't think that he's going to get fired at the end of this year, but it's in his best interest to not only win, but show up and play really well against an Oklahoma team that's struggling right now. Because you said it last week, it's, I mean, look at the Big 12. Who would have thought that Oklahoma starts off one and two? Nobody, nobody, even the most negative fan around here, nobody thinks Oklahoma starts off one and two. So if they're going to, if it's going to be a year like that, and more losses are coming for OU, by the way, if they're going to start off one and two, Texas got a returning quarterback like Sam Ellinger. You said it exactly right. You've got to win the league this year. Yeah. This is your opening. And now that's really in jeopardy if Texas loses this weekend at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, if not now, win for Texas. And yeah, I don't think Tom Herman's going to get fired after this year. His buyout is way too big. And that's regardless of the pandemic, right? That's regardless of the economic situation that's going on around UT and going on around college sports and going on around the entire country. 
even if that wasn't a thing, I still think the buyout would be too big. Like barring Texas going five and seven or four and eight in a regular year, figure Tom Herman's going to get at least a year five here in Austin. But, you know, this fan base, hell, even going into this TCU game, there were still a lot of fans questioning whether or not Tom Herman was the guy. And it's year four. You feel like you should know if you have the guy or not at this point. But yeah, after this game, I mean, most of the fan base is against this dude at this point. And you're right. I mean, I think this game this weekend against Oklahoma is massive for Tom Herman. But ultimately, like, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It's a huge rivalry game. It's your biggest game every year. But if Tom Herman can't win the Big 12 this year, you have nothing to point to that says he is the guy. Right? Yeah. If he can't win it this year, why, why the hell is he good enough to be the coach at the University of Texas moving forward? So, yeah, I don't think any change is coming, but – Man, if he can't win the league this year, when the hell is he ever going to win this league? Because Oklahoma's as down as they've ever been, and I don't think anybody else can top this conference is that beatable. You've got a a generational, maybe that's a stretch, but a, a pretty damn special talent at quarterback in Sam Ellinger in his senior year. Everything's shaped up for Texas to make a run at this thing this year. And you're right, it could be over on October 10th. If they lose this game to Oklahoma this weekend, they're going to be two games behind somebody in this conference with still some tough ones left to be played. So, yeah, if you can't win it this year, Tom Herman, then uh, you're never going to win it. Real, real quick, I, we got we got all of today's episode. We got Thursday's episode to, to discuss OU Texas. I just want to say that that's an interesting thing because Oklahoma and Texas are in the same spot coming into this game. Like, if you lose this Saturday, what the hell else is there to play for? Hmm. Seriously. I mean, especially in Oklahoma's case because – you know, pretty much mathematically, they may be, you know, pretty close to being eliminated. I mean, not all of the way, but you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to make it in with three losses. Texas, maybe with two losses, still might have an outside chance that they have to run the table, but your your playoff hopes are gone. Like, that's what I worry about for both teams moving forward, but for Texas, too, is seriously, what, what would there be, what would there be to play for? if you lose to Oklahoma this weekend moving forward. Yeah. I mean, look, I I hate to take shots at the three, two and O teams, right? Like Oklahoma state, they're, they're looking okay. They took care of business this weekend and they played Kansas, but they look pretty good with the backup quarterback. So once they get Spencer Sanders back, then you don't want to count them out, right? They're two and O you got to give Iowa state some love for beating Oklahoma. They're two and O in this league. You know, Kansas State, don't count them out. Chris Kleiman, we talked about him a lot last week. Like, I don't want to take shots at any of those teams because, hey, it's survive in advance, right? That's what it always is in conference play, but especially in COVID year conference play, it's just survive in advance. And so far, all of those teams have been able to do that. They are 2-0 and in this league. But I'm not sure, Tyler, there's going to be a team with just one loss in this conference this year. Oh, I totally agree. So, you know, if if Oklahoma wins this weekend and they're still, they're still in the mix to get to Arlington at the end of the year. And even if Texas loses this weekend, I still think they've got a shot to get to Arlington at the end of the year. You know, I, I don't even like saying the word playoff for Texas right now. That feels incredibly stupid. That felt stupid after last week, after the win against Texas tech, right? Like probably throw that out the window, but technically that's still on the table for Texas, and that's what they were talking about, right, in the post game, that their goals are still out in front of them, even though they lost one game. All of their goals are still on the table. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of getting to Arlington, maybe you still have a shot if you're Texas. If you lose this weekend, you can still get there. But if you're Oklahoma and you drop your third game in this league, I think uh, it's pretty much done for them. Hey, um, I mean, TCU scored 33 this weekend. I mean, that's not that's not Tech scoring 56 the previous week. You say that the majority of the fan base 
is kind of on the opposite side of Tom Herman at this point. Where are they at with Chris Ash this early on in his tenure? Yeah, you know, I, I thought the defense played a lot better this weekend. And, God, anybody who watched Texas and Texas Tech and Lubbock last Saturday knows how many missed tackles the Longhorns had. I mean, it was egregious, right? On every play, it felt like Texas Tech was breaking a tackle or two. Uh, depends on who you ask, but most folks were in the 15 to 20 range in terms of legit missed tackles for Texas against Texas Tech. And that only counts, like, plays where the Longhorns actually got their hands on the ball carrier for Texas Tech. That doesn't, that doesn't count like just total jukes or misses altogether. But I thought they tackled a little bit better, which I was not expecting to see after the span of just seven days. But, yeah, I mean, they still allowed TCU to hold on to the football for nearly 35 minutes on Saturday. And, obviously, the game-winning touchdown was just a, a total breakdown on defense, right? I mean, you go back and look at that play – Texas had nobody in the middle of the field, and it was obvious before the snap that, hey, if Max Duggan wants to QB draw this and take this straight up the gut, then he's going to have some room to run, and sure enough, he did just that. So, you know, the defense was not great on Saturday by any stretch, but I I think I put more of the blame on on the offense for what went down on on Saturday and why Texas lost this football game. I mean – 29 points. I know the Longhorns ended up with 31 total, but the last two came on the final play of the game, the intentional safety by TCU. Like 29 points in the Big 12 ain't going to win you a lot of football games. In this it's not, game. You're right. I think uh, the offense, too inconsistent. I mean, Sam Ellinger completed less than 50% of his passes. I know he had four touchdowns, but he was struggling for most of the game. Uh, Texas lost Roshan Johnson, their second-best running back in the middle of the game. So they were down to just Keontae Ingram in the fourth. And I think you saw that he was gassed on that final play in which he coughed it up. So uh, I don't know, man, I I put more of the blame on this offense. And I think more of the fan bases matter at Tom Herman than they are at Chris Ash right now. By the way, uh, LandryFootball.com, go check it out. High school, college, NFL, free agency, everything you need to get you through this football season. If you're a big 12 team, uh, I'm sure Chris has some pretty interesting reviews on what your team has looked like up to this point, especially if you're Oklahoma and Texas. And please join us in the uh, comment section as well. We'd love to answer any questions you have. I am on my phone today, actually, because I'm a moron and forgot my computer. Do we have anything in the chat section? Because I actually don't think I can see it from where I'm at. No, nothing yet. The people are quiet. They've got nothing to say. Maybe they're as stunned as we are with the first three weeks of, uh, of the college football season for the Big 12. Spartan Barton's not even in here. Mm-mm. He's even embarrassed to be associated with the Big 12 right now. So uh, that says a lot. Hey, you mentioned missed tackles. Let's talk Let's talk some missed tackles, buddy, because out here it's all about mm. missed tackles. And I just – I don't get it, man. It, it, it really is amazing to me how a program like Oklahoma, who really throughout the history of its time has been built on great defenses – a program that's been pretty good, won the conference five years in a row, back-to-back-to-back playoff performances, yada, 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 you know the story. But they cannot tackle. They they are just so fundamentally bad defensively. It's really shocking. It, it, tackling, terrible penalties, can't cover anybody. Brock Purdy tried to throw you four interceptions the other night, and you only came away with one strip sack. <laughs> I don't know what you think from the from an outside looking in, but it's damn near the most frustrating thing that I've ever seen before where this team just can't get out of its own way because they just can't do something as simple as tackle somebody in open space or tackles. I mean, just tackle, period. They're just so 
fundamentally bad defensively, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir, right? As a Texas fan, I've seen that a lot over the last decade. So what's you asked me about Chris Ash, right? What's the opinion on Alex Grinch? Like, at least with Chris Ash, he's got the excuse of it's year one, truncated offseason, not a lot of time to implement his fundamentals and his technique. But for Alex Grinch, it's year two for him. A lot of great things in 2019. I thought it was a great hire at the time. I loved the turnaround the Oklahoma defense made last year, despite the lack of takeaways. But yeah, some serious problems over the last two weeks, and the missed tackles are really showing up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the the blowback is coming. Um, it's as strong as I've seen it in a long, long time. Now, I don't think that he is on the hot seats with OU or even with the fan base right now, but it's not good. And and I'll say this in Alex Trench's defense. Because he he catches all the heat around here, right? I mean, it's year two, no excuses, like all this, whatever. Why doesn't more of the blame defensively go to Lincoln Riley? I mean, that's my – it's like we handle him around here like an offensive coordinator and not the head coach. And I'm not saying the defensive coordinator doesn't need to share the blame. He absolutely does. But at the same time, the offensive court or the, the head coach, Lincoln Riley, he's got to get some of that blame too. Uh, a lot of this, it, it's on him. It's his, it's his defense. He's he's responsible for that side of the football as well. So I do think, and, and I always hear, it's not what you coach or it's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize. OU does not emphasize defense. They don't emphasize special teams. Like, we can talk defense all we want, but every single week they have a special teams gaffe that costs them the football game. And that was so apparent this weekend. OU gets a turnover. It's the most OU special teams thing ever. OU gets a turnover. They go down and score, and they look great offensively. Maybe their best offensive drive of the night. So they got all the momentum in the fourth quarter, and you kick it off. And I would say it's like a 75-yard kickoff return. And then they score like a couple plays later. It's just they are such an offensively driven team. The joke around here is that they're Tech North. That's what people say. Oh, God. We're just Texas Tech North. (laughs) And at first it was kind of a joke, right? It was kind of like, uh, okay, whatever. But it really seems like it's kind of true. I mean, oh, you can't tackle. They can't force turnovers. They're bad. They're bad on special teams, but they're great offensively, right? Like it really does feel like OU is a better version of, of Texas Tech. Like that is st- actually starting to catch on around here. Oh, man, I love that. I love that Tech North. Tech I was North. actually thinking of Cliff Kingsbury when you were talking there, right? I mean, for the first couple of years of Cliff's tenure, it's like, oh, my God, this offense is really, really good. This is an offensive mastermind. Look at this guy. He's great. But the defense just never turned the corner, and that ultimately led to the downfall of the Cliff Kingsbury era in Lubbock. You know, that's that's been a question – that a lot of national pundits have asked about Oklahoma for the last couple of years, right? Since Lincoln Riley got there is can a team like this win a national championship? Can you pretty much solely rely on your offense and still win a national title? I mean, obviously it's been good enough to win this league, right? Lincoln Riley's won it every year since taking over, but when Oklahoma gets to the playoff, they struggle and the defensive problems really show out when they get to the final four. So I've always been a defender of Lincoln Riley and I've always kind of kick that notion to the curb like no I definitely think this can win a national championship but when your offense isn't scoring 40 to 50 points a game like it was the last few years then your defensive problems really really stand out so for me yeah the defense has issues I think you know we expected them to be better but also there's a lot of injuries and suspensions and COVID opt-outs that make this unit a little bit different than what we thought it was going to be a few months ago 
Like for me, I mean, we talked about it last week, Oklahoma's offensive line. I, I thought that was a one-off the way they played against K-State, but God, the yeah. fact that they couldn't average four yards to carry. And I know Iowa State's defense is really good. They're one of the best in this conference year in and year out now. But for me, it's like that's the bigger issue for Oklahoma is their offense can no longer, and maybe it's a one-year thing, but this year they can't offset the woes that they have on defense. That obviously makes the defensive problem stand out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with all of that. And not averaging four yards a carry, that's the Iowa State game, that's the Kansas State game, that's the Missouri State game, that's the LSU game, that's the Baylor. It's like their last five games. Wow. A program that has, you know, kind of getting a lot of notoriety for great offensive line play just can't seemingly run the ball anymore because they're not good up front. It's just it, – it, it is OU allowed to get better as the year goes on? Sure, every team is. But this team, they are what they are, man. And they're okay. I mean, they're all right. I mean, maybe they still have a chance to get to Arlington. I don't know, but they're they're just okay. Like this is the least impressive OU team I've seen since 2014, where they went eight and five, and Josh Heupel got fired at the end of the year. Like I, I don't know if they're that bad. Maybe they are. I mean, even that team didn't start off 0 two in conference play. But this is a significant drop off from what we've seen from OU the past four years. I mean, I I just. I, I can't see any other way around. Again, yeah. they're allowed to get better. I'm sure they will get better, but I they're just they're just okay, man. They're they're just an okay football team. What do you think of Spencer Rattler's post game comments talking about the officiating on that uh, final interception? So, I don't. I mean, I don't like it. And Lincoln did the same thing, which I really don't like either. I didn't really like any of Lincoln Riley's comments after the game, but Lincoln may have a point in the sense that that was being called all game long. So if you call it all game long, you have to call it at a critical juncture like that. I agree with that. But to kind of whine about it after the game is, I don't know. I don't think that that's a very good look. I didn't think it was a very good look for Spencer Rattler. And I didn't love Lincoln's comments pretty much saying like, I know people don't want to hear this right now, but we're really close. We're really close where we want to be and probably even closer than we realize. It's like, what? Yep. you're 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 zero and two in in conference play right now. What are you what are you what are you talking about? You just lost to two teams that just lost to Sun Belt teams. Don't don't give me the runaround about how you're you're close right now. But so yeah, I mean I I didn't like the comments at all. Um, but in terms of Spencer Rattler's play, the storyline around here is that oh once again he throws a critical pick to cost him the game. Dude, I think Spencer Rattler's like one of the better players on this team. He's not he's on the short list. I think he played pretty well outside of that one mistake. Like they're not without Rattler, they're not in that game. I mean, he yeah. made some pretty incredible plays. He's he's really good. He is. Yeah. He's by far and away not the issue for this team. Nah, I agree one hundred percent. I think uh, Iowa State fans and a lot of Oklahoma haters across the country would probably laugh at Spencer Rattler's comments, considering the way the game between these two teams ended last year. Right, the very controversial non-PI call on Iowa State when they were going for the go-ahead two-point conversion in the final minutes, right? A lot of contact on that play wasn't called. Oklahoma held on for the win. So, you know, Iowa State fans aren't uh, aren't feeling too sorry for that no call at the end of the game on Saturday. But I'm with you. I mean, I think Spencer Rattler's very, very talented. He's only going to get better. I don't think he's the biggest issue for Oklahoma right now. They've got all sorts of problems. And uh, Coach Speak is a beautiful thing, right? It really is. I mean, Tom Herman, after the TCU loss, said, you know, uh, I think we're really close. 
Like we're we're really close, and all of our problems are fixable. Yeah. Hey, well, they, we, they've we lasted heard that around four here, years. The Kansas State loss. All yeah. these issues are fixable. It's I like, mean, for Texas, they've lasted for four years. So how the hell are you going to fix yeah, them in one so. week's time? Like for Oklahoma, at least it's like, well, Lincoln Riley's got a track record. Like, okay, even after losses in the past, he finds ways to turn his team around and and, and compete for the Big Twelve championship. Tom Herman, like, how many times can you say that? Oh, these are fixable. Well, we're into year four now, and they haven't been fixed. So I don't think yeah. anybody really agrees with you that they are that easily fixable, Coach. Tell This is the most OU defense drive ever, and it happened on Saturday night. OU has a 20-16 to 16 lead. Brock Purdy throws a deep pass on first down that, my God, it was a terrible throw into double coverage. 90%, 95% of defenses in the country intercepted. Buki drops a for sure interception. Okay, so that's first down. Brock Purdy, try to give you the ball back when you're up 26, 20 to 16, and you drop it. So you do you you have a nice play on second down. Then you get the third and 10, all right? And you get a strip sack on Brock Purdy. Like Iowa State recovers, but it's like a four or five yard loss, whatever. He lost the football. You made a good play on third down. It's fourth and 15. Cool. You got the lead, and Iowa State's about to punt it away. But hold on, hold on. There's a flag on the play. It's holding in the secondary on Trey Brown. It's an automatic first down. And then one play later, Iowa State throws a 65-yard touchdown to take their first lead of the football game. Like, that's what I'm talking about right there. It's on first down. You had an opportunity to intercept the football and get the ball right back with all the momentum. On third down, you've got the strip sack to force a punt. But then you got a holding call in the secondary, and the drive continues. Yeah. And then on the very next play, they throw a slant route for 65 yards that goes for a touchdown. It's just the most maddening, freaking thing of all time that they can't they can't do anything right defensively. I mean, I, I seriously, I wasn't trying to be a smartass. I asked on Twitter, I'm like, what is one thing this defense does well? And nobody could come up with anything that I thought was a legitimate answer. Yeah, I'll give Iowa State credit, man. I mean, Brees Hall is an unbelievable talent at running back. I know Oklahoma missed a lot of tackles on him, but that guy is a talented player out of Wichita. Only a sophomore, ran for a buck 39 and two touchdowns. And look, I think a lot of folks, uh, I maybe will throw myself in the mix, kind of close the book on Iowa State after their week one performance, right? I mean, this team, if they can't even beat Louisiana, hell, they lost that game by 17 points. How are they going to compete in the Big 12 if they can't even compete with Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns? But they found a win against Oklahoma, right? They went into Fort Worth and got a win last week. Now I think they lucked out with Max Duggan only playing half of that football game. I think TCU probably wins that game if Max Duggan plays all four quarters, but who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter when trying to get to Arlington and trying to win the Big 12 championship. So those are two of the tougher games in the conference for Iowa State, going to Fort Worth against a decent TCU team, and obviously playing Oklahoma, the team that's won this league five years in a row. They're 2-0. and And for Iowa State, I mean, they've got – sure, they still have Oklahoma State and Texas, but you could argue that two of the top four games in this conference, they've already won. First win against Oklahoma at home since 1960. Uh, give Matt Campbell credit for turning things around up in names in very, very short order. And I think you have to throw Iowa State back in that conversation, right back into the mix of teams who can – hell, I don't even know if it's crashing the party anymore. I don't know if anybody wants – I don't know if this is a party, the Big 12 championship, yeah. right? I don't know if anybody wants to go at this point. But you obviously have to throw Iowa State in the mix with, uh, with the way they've started in league play. By the way, um, Oklahoma's wide receivers, just a couple more things on OU, one more thing on Texas. We'll move on to the rest of the conference, but this is the big story of the league this week. There's no doubt about it. 
Um, OU's wide receivers were so mad the other night. Theo Wees dropped a ball in a big play. Rambo just hasn't emerged to the player that we thought that he was going to be. Marvin Mims was was really quiet. And that, that has a lot to do with Iowa State's rush three, drop eight coverage for sure. It's tough. But if OU wasn't throwing to Stogner or if they weren't throwing to one of their running backs, it is, I mean, they may have hit on a couple plays all night long to the wide receivers, but not very many, man. They, yeah. they were very, very, very average on Saturday. That's a great point, right? It felt like Austin Stogner, the tight end, was the only guy making plays downfield. And also the fullback, Jeremiah Hall, had a couple of yeah. touchdowns, right, leaking out of the flat. So, yeah, I mean, you always just – we've been so spoiled by OU wide receivers over the last decade, right? I mean, there's seemingly always a Sunday player, like a first-round talent on the outside for Oklahoma. And, hell, some years they have two NFL-ready players, it feels like. But, yeah, this year Rambo hasn't quite taken that step and none of the other guys are experienced enough to be there just yet. So that makes things even tougher. I know people will criticize Spencer Rattler. The quarterback is always going to get criticism when the team comes up short, and especially when you throw that interception on the last series of the game. But he's not getting a whole lot of help. He's not getting the help that Oklahoma quarterbacks have gotten in years past, right? The running game ain't the same. The receivers on the outside ain't the same, and the offensive line clearly ain't the same. Yeah. Uh, one other thing on OU, Ronnie Perkins, it looks like he's going to be available for the Texas game this uh, week. Of course he is. Defensive player. I know. The, it, dude, he got like some sort of special waiver. Um, I, maybe he was using a special type of bong uh, last year or something <laughs> like that. So it was like less uh, one game less suspension. I don't know. But he was Ronnie going Perkins. with the Laramie Tunsil uh, gas mask <laughs> yeah. looking thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's huge for Oklahoma, right? They need all the help they can get on that side of the ball. And you're probably right. Probably is OU's best defensive player. So to get him back for, uh, you know, what already was the biggest game of the year, right? Every time it's Texas OU or OU Texas, as y'all call it up there, it's a massive game. Uh, but now, right, I mean, if Oklahoma loses this game, it's it's done. Their, their chances of getting to Arlington are out the window. So to get your best player back, uh, you need it. You'll take uh, everything you can get for this game against the Longhorns. I'll ask you this question about Texas. I'll ask the same question to myself about Oklahoma. It's it's interesting, the last two games for Texas, because you felt like they stole one in Lubbock, but it was kind of a freak goal line play to where they probably, in my opinion, they beat TCU if they end up scoring on that drive, right? So it kind of balances out a little bit. Like, the issues that Texas has, okay, and it hasn't looked pretty the past two weeks, will they be fixed? Will this Texas team turn into the to, to the squad that maybe we thought that they were going to be before the year, or, or are they just destined to barely survive each and every week? Man, I I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they'll be fixed. Like I, I see a few more losses in this team's future, right? I mean, I, I think they can lose one more and still get to Arlington, but I don't know how they go the rest of the way with only one loss. Now, they're going to be favored in – Probably every game except for two, right? Oklahoma opened up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Maybe that changes over the course of the week and the money comes in on Texas, but I would guess Texas will be the underdog come kickoff on Saturday. And then Oklahoma State on the road, Texas will probably be an underdog there. We'll see what happens with Iowa State. That game is in Austin, so I think Texas will be favored. So Vegas thinks that maybe they'll only lose uh, a game or two, but – Man, I mean, it's it's the same problems that plagued the 2019 Longhorns who lost five in the regular season. So I think there's at least two more losses for Texas moving forward. And 
will probably be gut wrenchers like we saw uh, this past weekend. So, no, my confidence level is, is not very high right now. Uh, neither is mine about OU. Um, there, there's no way they're, they're going to run the table. I mean, again, this they, they are what they are. And it may be this weekend against Texas. It may be at TCU, which, by the way, that's their next two football games. So, good luck with, good luck with that right there. Mm-hmm. Still got to play Oklahoma State. Like, the schedule has shifted so much with OU. Like, I can't say with certainty that they're going to go to Morgantown and win. I can't say with certainty that they're going to go out to Lubbock and win. Like, how can you say with certainty right now that they're going to beat anybody yeah. outside of Kansas at home? I mean, seriously, that's that's how much things have changed. So they're going to suffer another loss. And at this point, I would guess that they don't make it to the Big 12 championship game as a three-loss team. Crazy. Which is, which is crazy to say. I mean, yeah. I, they'll get better. Sure, they'll get better for sure, but – they are what they are and don't expect this OU team to turn into one of the playoff-looking teams that they've had from uh, years past. Spartan Barton, about time that you joined the chat. Yeah, come on, man. Um, I mean, come on, dude. I don't know where you've been. When was the last time neither Texas or Oklahoma were in the championship game? That would have been, wow, 98? Is that right? A&M and Kansas State, 98? Uh, Hold on here. Hold on here. Well, obviously, there were a few years without a conference championship game, right? Ever since it was brought back, Oklahoma's been there every year. Texas has been once. So, you know, there's been one team Te- carrying the Texas weight. Texas was there in 99 against Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma in 2000, Texas in 01, OU in 02, 03, 04, Texas in 05, OU 06, 07, 08, Texas in 09, OU in 10, no game, and then OU TC. How about OU, that? Texas, 1998. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm sure I had heard that before. I have to know a stat like that with the job that I have, but that is remarkable when you put it into perspective. You got to go back to the last millennia to uh, to find a time, to find a time where neither Texas nor Oklahoma was in the Big 12 championship. And how about this? We'll obviously preview that game more on Thursday, but this is the first time since 1999 that neither Texas nor Oklahoma were ranked in the top 20 going into <laughs> Dallas. In 99, Texas was ranked number 23, and OU was unranked. The Longhorns won that game 38-28. to 28. But, yeah, that's the last time that neither of those two teams were in the top 20 going into the Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, that's uh, case in point that this has been a pretty bizarre start to the 2020 Big 12 season. By the way, uh, yeah, Texas is ranked 22 this week. OU is unranked. 99, Texas 23, OU unranked. And also in that game, OU was up 17 to nothing. And OU's already blown two double-digit leads this year, so that wouldn't be the most shocking thing if OU gets up 17-0 on Saturday and Texas ends up winning like 38-28. So was that hey, the uh, all over again? Was that the the Mike Leach game? Yes, yeah, where he dropped his play card on purpose and mm-hmm. OU scored on like their first drive of the game because Texas yep. out on something. That's so it's awesome. amazing. Yeah, Mike Leach was uh, was uh, on the staff at Oklahoma and. Yeah, his scripted plays, like he intentionally left his first 15-play script on the field during warm-ups. Some GA on Texas picks it up and thinks he struck gold. Like, hey, guys, look what I found. We, I know exactly what Oklahoma's going to do to start this game, and Oklahoma did the exact opposite of what was left on that play card. So Texas had completely started to prepare for one thing, and then Oklahoma did the complete opposite thing. That's how they went up 17 to nothing. But then gradually over time, Texas realized – Oh, damn. We're getting duped. We're getting bamboozled right now. We should probably mix things up on defense. And then Texas had more talent than that Oklahoma team, so they were able to find a win. But 
that's like one of the best stories of this rivalry's history. Right? That's one of like my favorite college football stories ever. Uh, and it's just the genius and the hilariousness, uh, hilarity, probably the right word of, uh, of Mike Leach. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Oh, we've lost, we've lost Tyler. Am I back? Well, you're back. Okay, we lost right. you for a few seconds. We've got right, you. We somebody, got somebody's, somebody's calling me there. This is the issues when you're working off your phone like this. It's just, it's just not good. Um, what was, uh, what I mean, West Virginia Baylor goes into overtime on Saturday. Was that, was that the biggest storyline outside of uh, OU and Texas losing on Saturday? Yeah, Spartan Barton asked the question. You know, is Baylor still a faker? Um, you know, we we weren't like. We weren't quite sure what to make of Baylor this year, right? And even going into Saturday, I mean, they they didn't play a non-conference game due to a bunch of COVID stuff. Their first conference game was against Kansas, who sucks. I mean, it, Kansas has been awful, obviously, for a decade plus. I think this is far and away the worst Kansas team that they've ever had. Uh, like, I think 2019 Kansas beats 2020 Kansas by, like, four touchdowns. Wow. That's how bad this Kansas team is. They do nothing right, and they can't find a quarterback. Like, as – as average as Carter Stanley was, like you at least knew he was the guy and he could at least make a couple of throws for you. Uh, case in point, the game here in Austin last year against the Jayhawks. But, dude, they are so, so, so bad. So, back to Baylor. Like, yeah, they crushed Kansas, but we didn't we didn't know how good they were. And, honestly, Baylor's offense didn't do that much damage against KU, right? They had two kickoff return touchdowns, and they forced a bunch of turnovers, which gave them really, really short fields. Uh so we were questioning Baylor going into this game on Saturday. The defense looked pretty good, but the offense, dude, problems. And there were already Baylor fans. Like, the issue with Charlie Brewer has not been his play. It's been his ability to stay on the field with injuries. Yeah. There are already Baylor fans, like, clamoring for Jacob Zeno after the way this offense played on Saturday. So, yeah, ton of turnover for Baylor. We knew this year would be a question mark. We knew they weren't going to be 11 when Baylor from, from a year ago – but uh, that offense, man, they've they've got some problems, and I, you know, I think West Virginia's improved this year. But like, I don't think that's a one of the toughest defenses in this league. So if Baylor's struggling to put up points uh, against West Virginia, then I don't know how they're going to fare against Iowa State and, and TCU and some and Oklahoma State, who all of a sudden has a really good defense. Like, I don't know how Baylor's going to do offensively against those teams. Um, I'm mad at Charlie Brewer for switching numbers, by the way, because I just recognized him by one jersey number, and now he's switched to number five, and it just has completely thrown me off. I hate when players do that. Like, Ricky Williams was changing numbers, I swear to God, every single year that he was at Texas. He was like 11, <laughs> 34, 37. It's like, dude, just keep the same number. Like, come on, man. What's what's going on here? CeeDee Lamb did that at OU. But, yeah, I just the, – the Baylor offense – I was worried about it going into the year, and, yeah, it reared its ugly head on Saturday. I thought Baylor would win this game by 10 points. Uh, yeah. But is it fair to say that we think defensively they're still going to be pretty solid this year? I feel like defensively they're still going to be pretty good. They're, I mean, they'll have a game where they give up big points and yards, maybe to OSU, Texas, OU, or whoever. But I think for the most part, Baylor's going to be, you know, maybe a top three defense in this conference. I think they have that chance. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't think West Virginia, like Jared Dagey, doesn't instill a whole lot of fear in me. And what they put up 13 points against Oklahoma State last week. And once again, OSU's defense is looking really good. So maybe it's more yeah. of this versus the West Virginia offense. But I don't think the West Virginia offense is that imposing. So, yeah, Baylor's defense looked pretty good in that game. They look good against Kansas. But, like, when they play Oklahoma, when they play Texas, when they play Iowa State, can their defense hold up and only allow those teams to score in the 20s? 
I'm not quite sure just yet. Maybe they are. Maybe they will be a top three defense, but dude, they just lost so much. They lost so much in terms of personnel, and obviously with the shortened offseason, like how much can Dave Aranda actually implement on that defense uh, and, and deal with all of those new faces and new places on that side of the football. So, yeah, I think it I think it could be a tough year for Baylor, man. I, I feel like that was one of their more winnable games. Now, I don't think any game is unwinnable in this league right now, but it felt like that was one of their more winnable games, and they, uh, and they couldn't find a win. God, they ran for 27 yards. Ooh. For the game that went to two overtimes, they averaged 0.8 yards per carry. Now you've got sack yardage thrown in there, so it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't good at all for Baylor. So uh, I don't know if that's a Baylor offense thing or a West Virginia defense thing, maybe a combination of both, but that is obviously not a good recipe for success if you can't even average one yard per carry, Tyler. Um, by the way, you said earlier that you buried Iowa State after they lost to Louisiana. I, I did the same thing, but I definitely buried Kansas State after they lost at home to Arkansas State. And, dude, they're 2-0 in the conference right now. And maybe they got a legit shot at making it to Arlington this year. You can't say that they that they, that they don't. They're 2-0 in the league right now. But what's yeah. Tyler Thompson's status moving forward? Because he was in a sling uh, at halftime in Manhattan on Saturday. And if, if he's unavailable for the next several weeks, then probably all bets are off, even if they are 2-0. Yeah, it was pretty weird, right? Both backup quarterbacks got some time. I mean, I guess, and I hate saying this, I feel like a jerk saying this, but it, it's not weird for Alan Bowman to get hurt. Right. That's true. Backup. I mean, that that sucks, man, but that's the story of Bowman's career. We know he's got a great arm. We know he's a good talent, but he can't stay healthy. Uh, this Columbia kid, though, like played pretty well for Texas Tech. I'll give him some credit. Maybe the future is bright for him, uh, and maybe you'll have to play more moving forward this year and obviously moving forward beyond this year, but – yeah, I mean, for K-State, like, Howard came in and played pretty well, but Texas Tech's defense sucks. So if he does have to go, is he good enough to help keep K-State afloat in this league? I'll tell you what, Tyler. I mean, K-State goes to Fort Worth on Saturday. TCU's a nine-point favorite uh, to open up there. I think that line's going to go down a little bit, but I think part of that has to do with Tyler Thompson's status being up in the air. And maybe yeah. we'll find out more from Chris Kleiman. I think he does his press conferences on Tuesday, so tomorrow. Um but after that, it's KU and West Virginia. So, like, if K-State can go into Fort Worth and steal a win this Saturday, they've got a good shot of being 5-0 and to start off league play this year, which, no, I mean, I, I don't think even the biggest K-State fan ever thought that was possible. Sure. With all they lost from last year's team. Uh, so, give them credit, man. I mean, obviously, the win in Norman, way more impressive than beating Texas Tech with the backup quarterback in Lubbock. But, yeah, they had some adversity on their own. And they found a way to get it done. And, and I think one of the biggest stories of this conference this year is Deuce Vaughn. The running oh my back. God. Is he not a player, back. dude? Wow. I mean, this kid, like not only did Texas not offer, so this is not one of those, ah, let's laugh at UT because they missed out on another kid who's a really, really good college player. And there's been plenty of those over the years, of course. Ron Dillmore. Yeah. But uh, but uh, oh, hey, Texas offered Rondale Moore. He was committed to Texas at one point. He, <laughs> he committed. So that wasn't a miss. That was uh, – I don't want to talk about that. But if it, nobody in Texas offered this kid. TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, nobody offered – Houston, nobody offered Deuce Vaughn except for K-State. And he goes there, and as a true freshman, I mean, outside of Chuba Hubbard and Brees Hall, he's been the best running back in this league this year. He's been phenomenal. And K-State has five new offensive lines. Like, they don't have a great offensive line. And Deuce Vaughn is just making guys miss, and he's busting off big runs. The kid from Cedar Ridge, man, the deuce is loose. 
Uh, one of my coworkers at the Horn actually called his high school games, and he he used that line before Gus Johnson did. So I'm giving my boy Wags a little bit of love, even though that's nice, the, lowest, nice Wags. the lowest hanging fruit ever. Anybody could have used that. But, I mean, that the fact that that kid is playing this well, K-State fans already love him. He's getting Darren Sproles comparisons. Uh, he was huge, had some massive runs in the second half against OU, had some massive runs in the second half against Texas Tech. He's been one of the biggest stories for maybe the biggest surprise team in this league so far. Yeah. By the way, check out LandryFootball.com throughout the week, high school, college, NFL, whatever you need, everything football-related. You're watching this, you love football, so go and check out LandryFootball.com. He, uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's the smartest football mind that I know. I mean, not just saying that. Like, he's not paying us to say that. Like, seriously, <laughs> nobody knows more about football than Chris Landry. So go check out his website. He's got a lot of good stuff. So if you're putting together a power poll, who's number one? Is it Kansas State? Is it OSU? Is it TCU? Who's who's the best team in this conference? Uh, it's got to be Oklahoma State right now. I mean, that, I say that like they've looked really, really good. I mean, they barely beat Tulsa in week one. And, I mean, they needed a touchdown in the final minute to, to get away from West Virginia uh, and cover the spread in that game against West Virginia in Stillwater. But I think it's Oklahoma State. I mean, Illingworth looked pretty good on Saturday. And if they get Spencer Sanders back, uh, I think that offense is going to do at least what it did last year, if not take a bigger step. And their defense looks really, really good. And they haven't played any of the high-powered offenses in the Big 12. But look, look at Tulsa, right? Like maybe we shouldn't knock uh, Oklahoma State that much for barely beating Tulsa because Tulsa just went into UCF, into the bounce house, and beat the Golden Knights like one of the best G5 teams on the road at their place. And they put up 34 points uh, against uh, UCF. So maybe we got to give Oklahoma State, I don't want to say some love, but maybe we shouldn't criticize them that much for that week one performance against Tulsa. I'd still go with them um, as the best team in this league right now. And then if we're talking about number two, I mean, what, there's three 2-0 and teams in this league. I, I don't know. Do you go Iowa State? I feel like I'd go Iowa State ahead at Kansas State right now. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be my top three. I mean, you can't put Texas or Oklahoma in the mix right now, right? You got to start with the two and O teams in the league. So, yeah, I'd probably go OSU, ISU, KSU as my uh, as my top three in this league right now, and then you know maybe go TCU fourth because they beat Texas. And once again, I, I think if Max Duggan plays all four quarters against Iowa State, they probably beat the Cyclones, and they're two and O as well. So. That would be uh that would be my my foursome right now. We know the losses that Kansas State and Iowa State already have, and we know the loss that TCU suffered to Iowa State. Um, OSU is the only undefeated team in this league. Are the Big Twelve playoff hopes effectively dead? Like life support? Can a team bounce back and, and make the playoff here? Can an undefeated Oklahoma State in a year like this, where the Big Twelve is looking? so bad make the four-team playoff like where, where's this conference at right yeah now? I mean if OSU runs the table they're getting in right I, I don't think they are going to run the table but if they go undefeated I don't care how bad the big 12 is if you go unbeaten and win your conference championship in a power five league then you're making the playoff no question uh the question becomes one loss right can a one loss team in this bad of a big 12 find their way into the college football playoff. You know, before the Big Ten and the Pac-12 came back, then the answer was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to have teams in there. you got to find four teams. So there's no question, even if it is uh, an an Iowa State or an Oklahoma State, right? Not a huge brand 
like a Texas or an OU, then yeah, they're going to find their way into the final four. But now the question is, okay, one loss, Iowa state, one loss, K state, one loss, Oklahoma state. Uh, are their resumes going to be good enough comparing it to the rest of college football? Right. I mean, Alabama looks awesome. I assume they're getting into the playoff again. Uh, Clemson, Clemson doesn't look that awesome, but the ACC is so bad that I think Clemson's going to run the. T- I mean, Notre Dame will be a tough game, and maybe they'll have to play Notre Dame twice. But I still think Clemson's going to find their Clemson's way. Clemson's got to play Deer King this week, so watch out. I mean, I think yeah. Clemson's going to win that game. I think that this is one of those games where Clemson's like, oh, somebody's got our attention. All right, let's go dominate Miami. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right there. But even like one loss Clemson because of the clout they've built up. Like yeah. even if they do lose a game, I think they're going to find their way into the CFP. And then Ohio State, right? I mean, we don't know what they're going to look like, but assuming the Big Ten is in the playoff picture this year, like everyone was picking them to at least get to the playoff, if not win the national championship. So, I mean, you could have three spots taken right there, and then you look around the country, look at the SEC. Like Florida or Georgia would be the best team in this conference by far right now. Oh, my God. Uh, and obviously one of those teams is going to lose to each other, and then the other, the winner of that game will probably lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game. So, you're going to have that question of, you know, potential one loss SEC loser versus one loss Big 12 champion. And I don't know. I mean, if it's Texas, if Texas runs the table, which they won't, but if Texas runs the table, then I think they'll get in. But the question is, like, does the brand of Oklahoma State with one loss in this down of a conference, uh, do they get the nod over one loss Georgia or one loss Florida, even if they don't win the SEC this year? I, I, I would be hard pressed to say yes. To that question. I think two SEC teams are getting in this year, man. I really yeah. do. Feels that way, right? I mean, we've seen that before, right? And hell, I mean, I I picked three to get in last year. Like, I I think nice. at some point there are going to be three SEC teams that find their way into the college football playoff. And if Tua gets hurt, we might find we might have found ourselves with three teams in the S in the college football playoff last year. But yeah, you know, before the season, I I think I had gone Bama and Florida both finding their way in. I also picked Oklahoma to get in, so I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much because OU's already out of the playoff picture here on October 5th. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a great question, right? We have it every year around Big 12 country. What does this league have to do to find its way into the Final Four? And this year the questions ring even louder than ever. Uh, By the way, Arkansas has a conference win before Oklahoma does. Uh, this season. Oh. So, uh, How about that? There's the there's the uh, there's Mike Leach right there, right? Everyone's like, oh, after LSU, that's Mike Leach. This is what he does. No, no, no. Mike Leach gets your hopes up. He goes and beats a team he shouldn't beat, and his offense looks amazing. And then the next week against some crap team, some inferior opponent, his offense just craps the bed. Like that is the Mike Leach experience. It's not just the highs. It, you got to deal with the lows too with the Pirate. I love him. He's awesome. He's come on our show a couple of like he's a great dude, one of the best personalities in all of sports. But that is the full Mike Leach experience right there. There's a, a lot of downs that come with the ups. Um, we got a couple minutes left. You want to get to a couple of uh, your questions here before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We got all sorts of stuff here coming in from Spartan Barton. He's confident in Oklahoma State. Well, I mean, they're going to get their quarterback back at some point. Is that an upgrade or not? I guess we'll find out. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe Shane Illingworth is their guy. But, yeah, I mean, legitimately, they have have a really good defense. I mean, for this conference, of course. I mean, they're going to have a defense that has them in every single football game. I don't think that this is a defense that is going to surrender 50 points in a big game like we've been accustomed to seeing them. You know, I – yeah. I think that this is one of the better defenses they've had in a long, long time. 
I mean, when have you ever said that about Oklahoma State, right? Yep. Like, it's it's been a long, long time since we've been able to say that about the Cowboys. Um, Spartan Barton also saying, "Oh, that's not the question I wanted to pull up, but that's fine." Uh, no, Zach Evans has not gotten any carries for TCU. Uh, he didn't play last week. He didn't play this week. It's weird. They they ha- they've had four running backs get carries. Uh, but he has not been one of them, the true freshman out of Galena Park, North Shore, one of the highest rated running back recruits, one of the highest rated recruits in all of college football, had a tumultuous recruitment, to say the least. I think that's an understatement, one of the craziest recruitments I've ever really covered. Uh, but, no, he has not played yet for TCU. Bama, Florida, Clemson, and Big 12, no Big 10 this year. Yeah, that's I, – I, I don't know what we do with that, right? Like, I'm not sure what to make of the Big 10. Obviously, they're coming back. That's the plan in, what, two weeks? Yeah. I, but, I, think, I think Ohio State's getting in. I think they got the pretty close to the same level of clout as Alabama and Clemson. And plus, I think they're really damn good, too. Yeah, but, like, the rules – like, my biggest question for the Big Ten is, like, the rules are almost set up to where they don't want to finish a season, right? Right, yeah. I mean, what is it, only, like, 5% or, like, five players? Right. Uh, yeah. uh, the team can be positive for COVID. Otherwise they cancel the game. Like it's like they are trying to not have a season so they can say, we told you so when this thing fails. So that's my biggest question for the big 10. It's like, can they actually start and finish the season? I think Ohio state, because they know how good they are. They're going to take COVID incredibly seriously. And, and they've been practicing and their players are working their tail off. I'm sure to make sure that they're staying safe and out of harm's way. But like, you know, if they can't play games, if the other teams, if the bottom feeders of this league, the the Rutgers, the Maryland's of the world, if they just like, ah, we suck, we're going to go party and enjoy college a little bit because we have no chance to make the conference title game this year, then Ohio State gets screwed and ultimately the Big Ten can't make the college football playoff because they want to play enough games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to get to one more before we get out of here real quick? Yeah, man. Do you see one? Can you read any of these? It's like, is there I one, one that you like? Uh, let's see. OSU will only lose one or only play six games. Talking about Ohio State. Okay. So, I, I, well, if they play six games, they're going six and zero. I'm just telling you, right. Big Ten like set up there. Which, by the way, the all of these other conferences, the SEC hooked up Bama, the Big Ten hooked up Ohio State, the Big Twelve damn sure didn't hook up Oklahoma and Texas. OU stretch is like brutal. They don't have an October home game. They went at Iowa State, Texas at TCU, and then Kansas State to start off that. So I don't know what the deal on that was. I'm not trying to, like, sour grapes or cry or anything. It's just the other leagues hooked up the big dogs. Yeah. Well, it's not. Hey, come on. We brag about it. The toughest path to the college <laughs> yeah. football playoff. I, I don't know why we embrace that. That's the dumbest thing ever. Right? You should try to make it easy for your teams. But, you know, you have to play every team in this league every year. That's how it goes. And right. I don't know if Alabama was really hooked up that much, dude. I mean, like, I, like just the SEC-only schedule. I know they don't have to play Florida, but, God, they still have Georgia. They still have at LSU. They've got at Tennessee, who's looking pretty good. They've got Auburn. Like, that. I mean, that's a that's a gauntlet. Well, mostly they got hooked up because they have to play A&M, and A&M is yeah. not yeah, they got Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a nice game to play. I mean, that was, that was close for a while. It's 14-all. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of entertaining for a little bit, and then Bama did what Bama does, and AM did what AM does. All right, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for watching live on Twitch. We're back Thursday at 10 a.m. We'll have a full OU Texas preview. Maybe the game doesn't mean anything this year, but we're still going to talk about the damn thing. I can assure you of that. So uh, thanks for all the comments. Join us Thursday, 
10 a.m. Central. Go check out LearnYourFootball.com in the meantime. For Brad Kellner, I'm Tyler McComas. We are in defense of the Big 12.